going on, FA Nation? Welcome, welcome. Uh, I guess this is the first 2021 NASCAR DFS podcast where we're actually breaking down a race. Happy to be here. It's late on a Saturday night. I'm Dan Malin, and I am joined by the two-time FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, it's late, but how are you doing? How's the weather in Nebraska? Um, So the weather has a musical flair to it this week here, uh, as I shared in the Fantasy Alarm uh, employee slack. Uh, the highs this week for Omaha are going to make the song um, 8675309 because, you know, Jenny's showing up to Nebraska, I guess. Yeah, those are the actual highs this week here. So it's pretty chilly. Uh, I desperately hope that it's not actually that cold, but in my mind, I'm thinking about Daytona and the nice warm weather they got down there in Daytona. Um, for speed weeks, because cl- the clash is on Tuesday, we got the duels on Thursday, and then got trucks on Friday, Xfinity Saturday. We got an ARCA race in there, too. Uh, and the Cup Series Daytona 500 kicking off the season on Valentine's Day on Sunday. So, very excited that NASCAR is back. Busy um, week. Very busy week. It is a very busy week. Um, but, you know, you get to write about NASCAR. So... That'll be fun. Um, And a little bit more, I don't know, we know what to expect this season as opposed to when it restarted last year. And it's kind of just, let's kind of make up the schedule as we go. And, oh, by the way, there's no practice. There's no qualifying. There's, you know, we know what to expect this year. So um, it should be, it should be pretty fun. Why don't we just do a quick breakdown of what we're doing this week? Only because, um, so we're going to preview the Clash race. This is going to be a quick podcast in comparison to other ones that we do. Uh, the Clash is on Daytona's road course. This could potentially be a pretty boring and underwhelming uh, race. They normally run it on the two and a half mile trioval. Not the case this year. The duels on Thursday and all the other races are going to be run on the trioval. Uh, for the clash, it's going to be different. This is the Daytona Road Course. It's kind of like the Charlotte Roval. Um, I don't know. Was there anything you wanted to add in terms of schedule? I know we do have practices this week because they are running on a super speedway. We do have practices um, this week. I think um, this is one of eight races this year that we'll have practice uh, and qualifying. So that's kind of nice, although practice at the Daytona 500 is not really helpful because everybody, if they go out, they're racing in a pack, and they'll run about, I don't know, 10 laps and be good, and then they won't get back on the track because you don't want to risk crashing your car in practice. Um, So, yes, this podcast will cover the clash. Uh, We'll be back out some point next week uh, with the Daytona 500 podcast probably i'm gonna say after the clash or after the duels on thursday um simply because then we'll know the starting lineup for the daytona race so uh we'll be better equipped to specifically tell you who we're targeting and strategies and whatnot um track breakdown will be out for the daytona 500 we'll have rankings for that projections for that playbooks for truck and xfinity and cup race i will also have a playbook out for the clash uh likely coming out uh i don't know monday night early tuesday morning some point there because they they're doing a random draw 
for the starting order for the clash. Mm-hmm. That happens at 8 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Um, so just to have a little bit more, you know, information when writing the playbook as to who uh, is starting where, I will probably write up everybody in the clash. You I might as well. I've, I've done that each of the last three years. There's 21 cars. Um, so give you a little bit of, you know, knowledge there on everybody. But, yes, it is on the road course. Why exactly they made that change, I don't know. There's 21 cars on a three-and-a-half-mile road course. Um, they raced it last year, right? So they're familiar with it. Also, if anybody caught the 24-hour, the Rolex 24-hour of Daytona, that's what they race it on mm-hmm. is the road course. Um, they will also, by the way, be running a points race on the road course after the Daytona 500. The following weekend is a points race on the Daytona road course. So... 21 cars on a three and a half mile Roval is going to kind of look like an F1 race with how spread out those fields can get. Uh, there will be a competition caution on lap 15 of the 35 lap race. So, you know, think about that what you will strategy wise. It'll be kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's basically going to be about place differential for building your DFS lineups because laps led. Not necessarily going to factor that much. I mean, if you get a guy who can just flat out beat every lap, then it will. But, again, in a 35-lap race, there's just not that many points for that. So, um, it's mostly going to be a place differential type build, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't done the math yet in terms of dominator points that are available. Uh, It's not as easy this year because DK changed it. (laughs) Yeah, from point five to point four five, but... I know on FanDuel uh, for the Clash, it's only going to be three and a half points because they only award a tenth of a point for leading a lap. So on FanDuel, if you're playing the Clash, it's really going to be all about final position and uh, like position differential. DraftKings, it'll get a little more convoluted based on the scoring over there. Um, you're not doing anything for the duels on Thursday, right? We'll kind of be in the chat for that one, but all in all, that's kind of that's probably more risky for DFS than the actual Clash. Yeah, I mean, I tend not to do any actual written content for the duels. A um, couple of reasons for that is, A, there's only 20 cars in each of the fields. Um, it's For those that don't know how this works, there's the Bush Clash, which is just an exhibition race. It doesn't count for any points. It doesn't set anything for the field for Daytona. It's simply... If you won races last year, if you won stages last year, if you were a playoff driver last year, um, or you've previously won the Daytona 500, or you've previously won the Bush Clash, you get you qualify for the Clash each year. So it's kind of like that PGA, the, the championship uh, tournament that starts the PGA season for all of the winners from the prior year. That's essentially what this is. It's just an exhibition race. Um, so, but then there's a qualifying session midweek uh, for the 500, and that qualifying session sets only the front row. It only sets the pole sitter and the outside pole. Then all of the odd-numbered uh, qualifiers from the qualifying session are in one of the duels on Thursday night, and all of the evens are in the other duel, and it basically sets the starting spots 
officially for the 500 is what the duels do. So one of them sets the inside line, the other one sets the outside line. Um, and so there's just not, it's kind of half a car, you know, half a field of cars in each of them. They're pretty short races. Um, about half the cars in each one don't necessarily, aren't really racing for anything. Because if you're the pole sitter or the guy who qualified second, you're not going to do anything in the clash except try to, or the duels, except try to make it out with your car in one piece. So there's very, you know, little reason to be playing that. Personally, if you want to play it, Dan and I will be in chat answering the questions, uh, but I won't have any written content out. All right, good stuff. Uh, I think it's a good time just to start breaking down the field to you. Yep, that works for me. I love it. All right, so the two most expensive drivers on both sites are Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. Kind of a, for good reason. They are the two best road course drivers in NASCAR. Um, NASCAR yeah. did race at the Daytona road course last season. Chase Elliott won it. He led 34 laps, which I think was almost half of them. Yeah. Um, regardless of where he starts, whether he's on the pole uh, or if he's offering uh, position, position differential, you kind of almost hope that he's on the pole. Um, but either way, he's going to be chalk no matter what. Uh, kind of tough to fade either guy. Yeah, it's pretty hard to fade. I mean, Chase Elliott's won the last four road races in the Cup Series, if I'm not mistaken. Um and Truex had won three of the four before that, and the other one went to Chase. So Chase has, like, five in the last, I don't know, eight road races or something. So the two of them are clearly the most dominant road racers. That's why they're the most expensive. It is a road, you know, it is a road race. Um, yeah, I mean, of the two, let's go with the guy that's hot and the guy that just ran in the 24-hour of Daytona at the road course so you know i'm gonna get both of them in there but i'll probably have more chase than than true i agree uh denny hamlin right behind them is the third most expensive driver hamlin has uh shown immense and and it's kind of weird to say like he's i guess it's not weird to say because he's won i think three of the last five daytona 500 so he's really good on the trioval uh what's your read on him for the actual road course do you think he's worthy of being the third most expensive driver i mean i think this is probably just going off of what he did last year though it is interesting to see him more expensive than harvick but hamlin's a better road racer than harvick is typically speaking so um if you want to lay off the chalk of Chase and Truex, Hamlin's not a bad guy to go for as a top plate driver, especially if he's on the pole. Uh, he could go get you some laps led. He's a pretty solid road racer. He did finish second in the road course race last year. Right. So, yeah. you know, he led 16 he's, laps too. He's done pretty well at um, Watkins Glen in the past. I think he's led some laps at the Roval over the past few years, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, if you want to kind of avoid the chalk of Chase and Truex, then Hamlin's not a bad guy to go with. Harvick at nine two doesn't really intrigue me all that much right now. I mean, no. I, I mean he's an okay road racer. It'll it'll depend on where he starts, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, if he's going to start in the back, then sure, I'll take the free money and free position differential. But 
Do you feel the same way about Kyle Busch? No, actually, I'd be more inclined to play Kyle Busch no matter where he starts. <laughs> because I think he really wants to get off to a really good start this year after the horrible year that 2020 was. He also has a new crew chief this year, so I think... Um, so, I think that makes it pretty intriguing for him to try to get off to a rip-roaring start. And yes, while this doesn't count for an actual win, it does... I mean, it will give him the, you know, his mojo back a little bit, plus a pretty mm -hmm. nice check right. for the winner who doesn't like money, right? Um, and at eighty nine hundred, I feel like we're getting a little bit of a bargain because he sucked last year. <laughs> Do you think that he's just left a sour taste in DFS players' mouths and like uh, you could get Kyle Busch at solid ownership numbers? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are burnt out by Kyle Busch because they kept playing him last season. I thought last year was so endearing for him. I actually became more of a fan because it was a bad year, and I was genuinely happy for the guy when he won at Texas. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a little hard to be endearing towards Kyle Busch, but, yeah, it did It did humble him. <laughs> it, yeah, that's exactly it. It, it humanized him. And, you know, he went from all the KFB stuff to, well, it's just 2020, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's – I think he's in a pretty interesting spot here. Um, I think Ryan Blaney is a sneaky guy too. Blaney is a very sneaky guy because he didn't do great. Well, he finished 31st in the road course, but he had an average running position inside the top 15. Yeah, he got so, caught late in a spin, I, right. I believe. And so I think people just looking at the actual results uh, are going to miss something. And this is like a storyline that you and I have touched on. And I was going to save this for the Daytona 500 podcast, but I think it's it's worth mentioning now. So every year, um, every make gets to introduce their, like I guess, a new model of their car. I think last year it was uh, the Chevys because the Chevys got off to a great start. Uh, I think the year before it was Toyota. Either way, I think this year... It was year, Ford the year before because the Mustang came in. I thought Ford was this year. Is Ford this year? I'm I'm almost confident that Ford yeah, is... Yeah, you're right. It is... No, they announced last year that they were... They put out all the hubbub last year and all the promotional stuff. Right. That it was this year. So, yeah, they, they've been out in front of it for like a year and that threw off my timeline. So, in, in general, Penske does run really well at Daytona. Uh, the Fords typically have very fast cars at Daytona. Now, that's typically for the trioval. However, it's just they do run a portion of this race on the actual trioval. Um, I am very intrigued by the pricing of all three Penske drivers. Uh, I'm not ruling out a stack, but yes, Blaney is a very sneaky play. Who Another guy who got off to a hot start prior to the season shutting down. Probably should have won them three of the first four races. Exactly, yeah. And then when they came And back, also, don't forget, he, he was the one that was pushing Newman at the end of the Daytona 500. So right. he was up front, too. Yeah. And he won at the Roval the first year that that race happened. Now, it took a spin by MTJ, but he was in the right place at the right time. Still counts. Uh, all right, so we're both on board with Blaney. How do you feel about his teammates in Kislowski and Logano? Um, I'd probably be more inclined to play Logano than Kislowski. I feel like Logano's a better road racer. Um, than 
in the road course last last year. Yeah, so I would probably go. I'd rank them Blaney, Logano, Keselowski. Now, if you're asking me for the Daytona 500, all three of them are clearly in play. They're yeah. going to be in my top five drivers, no matter where they're starting, given their team and their history. Um, but I would take the discount and go um, Logano. At least he's cheaper on. Um, yeah, he's cheaper on both sites. Um, quite a bit cheaper on FanDuel, actually. Uh, Logano is eighty five hundred on Fanduel, while Blaney is eleven and Kislowski is ten. So Logano is quite a bit cheaper. They're they're all closer together on DraftKings. All right, uh, some Chevys we can start talking about on DraftKings: seventy nine hundred, seventy seven hundred, and seventy four hundred are Alex Bowman, William Byron, and Kurt Busch. Uh, Bowman in the forty eight now. Uh, how do you feel about either of these options? Kind of lukewarm. Um, Not really moving the needle. I think I'd go with Byron. I think I'd go with Byron of those. I feel like Bowman may be out to try to prove things a little too quick. And keep in mind, everybody that's listening, we're previewing this podcast before we know starting position. Right. So if either of these guys are starting towards the back, that raises the interest just based on position differential. Right. And we'll have more clarity on Monday and I'll, right. yep. I'll clarify some of these stances. Some of my stances may change for the playbook. This is just an early look at it. Um but right now I would go Byron. Um I just think that um Bowman might be out to prove a little bit too quickly. Moving to the 48, that he deserves it, and he was the guy that should have been chosen over, you know, putting somebody else there. Um, and Byron, by the way, has been a sneaky good road racer of late, the last few road races. Seems to be, you know, moving up well. He's the fact getting- that he finished eighth after starting 13th in last year's race is actually kind of surprising. Surprisingly... Good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I, just, I wasn't... Not trying to bash him by any means. I was trying to figure out where you were going with that. No, well, it's it's just flying under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, because if you're looking at the standings from last year's race, and, and I'm not sh- just trying to look at the standings. I'm looking at, like, average running position and everything. And he consistently was doing pretty well throughout the entire race. Average running position of 13th and got his highest fourth and finished eighth. That's a really solid run for a race that, you know, he's he's a young driver and most like every driver in this field had no experience, maybe Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson based on the Rolex 24. But you know, the fact that he could go out there and finish in the top eight is, is pretty impressive. And then he got his first career win at Daytona and at the, the last race of the year. Right. So yeah. I guess you've talked me on to William Byron. So yeah, I mean out of those I would I would go Byron. Um Kurt Bush just keeps continuing to be Kurt Bush. Like I <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's nothing bad about that. There's nothing um you He's know, steady. He's just steady and he's that continues in his road racing as well. Now, I will say that Bowman started 27th and finished 12th. So in the road race last year, 
at mm-hmm. Daytona. So there is that. Obviously, he's not going to start that far back on Tuesday because there's 21 cars in the field. But if he's starting towards the back, then, you know, we can uh, we can look a little bit more towards Bowman than Byron. Whichever one of them starting further back, we'll take that guy. All right. So shockingly enough, we've already previewed about half the field. Um, what we're left with, and it's not like these guys are uh, slouches by any means, but Eric Jones, Matt Benedetto, Eric Almarola, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Chris Buescher, Cole Custer, Austin and Ty Dillon, and Ryan Newman. Honestly, I think I'm most intrigued if you're looking for a very cheap play in Chris Buescher. I would agree. Uh, came in, He started 21st in the Daytona Road Course last year, finished 5th. Um, cheap. I mean, he's familiar with it. I mean, he's, he's, it's going to suck if he's starting pretty high. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, as of right now with, without knowing where everyone is starting, Chris Buescher at 5,900 is a, is a very nice looking play. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I find it hard to get excited about anybody below that price point. See, if they were running the trioval, I'd get I mean, pretty excited so, about Eric Jones just because last year's class where he be, won, yeah. it was awesome, and his car looked like trash. Yeah, I'd also be excited about Austin Dillon if it was the trioval. That's a good point. Yeah, I'd also be excited about Ryan Newman if it was the trioval. Um, Ty Dillon had a pretty decent run at the road course here last year, but keep in mind that he is not driving the thirteen. Right. He is driving the 23 for 23XI Racing. Bubba Wallace is not in the clash, having not won a stage or a race or a pole. Last year, Ty Dillon won a stage at, what, Kansas, maybe? Um, I want to say it was like the Thursday Kansas race, maybe? Um, So Ty Dillon is going to basically do the shakedown run of the 23XI car, because I don't know if they've done any testing on it. I don't know if you're allowed to do testing under COVID. Um, so typically Ty Dillon's a pretty decent, cheap road racer, but he's in new equipment. He's never driven a Toyota. Um, nobody knows what the 23 car is like other than it's essentially a fifth Gibbs car. So if you want to base it off that, okay. You know, we could take a shot, I guess, but I'm not all that comfortable with that. Meanwhile, Busher. Um, that guy's really good at road racing. He had a really good 2020 and he just got a brand new sponsor. Um, I believe Castrol just jumped on board with Chris Busher, which is a good sponsor. It's a pretty nice sponsor there. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. (laughs) Tyler Reddick. Maybe not, nah, not for me. Maybe. I don't know. Um, the only entertaining thing about Eric Amarola is he's trying to start a bet with Clint Boyer this week because Amarola is from Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. and Boyer's famously from Kansas. And so they're trying to bet about the Super Bowl, um, that if Tampa wins, Boyer has to do something in the booth for the 500. But if the Chiefs win, then Amarola would do something at the track, I guess. I don't know. So that's about the exciting thing there. De Benedetto, I'll give him I'll give him some love here. He's a just he he's an interestingly good road racer. 
He's so easy to root for because he's such a likable guy. Yeah, I also put him in my long shot bet for the season for the season champion because he is racing for a ride. Yeah, again this year because we all know uh, what the plan is uh, for the twenty one car. That basically they're gonna uh, call up his replacement for some of the races this year, and then that guy is gonna take it over in twenty twenty two. So De Benedetto is again looking for a ride. So, all right, um, I guess we'll wrap it up just discussing a few odds. Um, I'm looking at these odds on actionnetwork.com for the Bush Clash. Uh, these came from DK Sportsbook a few days ago. They very well could have changed, but Chase Elliott, I can't really look at them because it's not legal to bet in Georgia, so that sucks. Uh, but Chase Elliott is getting was getting plus 175, which is pretty solid for the guy who is probably going to win the race. Martin Truex was getting plus 300. Denny Hamlin plus 800. Ryan Blaney was getting plus 1,300. Not bad. No, That's not bad. Not bad. Uh, Chris Busher was getting plus 10,000. Plus 10,000? Yeah. That's, uh, that's a pretty steep odd set. Yeah, I'm looking at, let's see. Oh, they only have the 500 on here. I was looking at Bet Online, uh, but they only have the 500. They don't have the uh, Clash. So, I mean, that's pretty steep favorite there for... Uh, Mr. Chase Elliott, you don't usually see uh, guys that <laughs> that highly favorited in NASCAR. Right. Yeah, I think the best. And you got to feel really good about it. It's thirty-five laps on a course that he won a few months ago. Yeah, I mean the the best that Harvick hit last year, I think, was a plus two hundred. Mm-hmm. So for Chase to be plus what one seventy-five? Yeah, that's how it opened. Yeah. Um. It could be like 150 right now. I can't get on the DK Sports. So. <laughs> Neither can I. I can't well, it access sucks. it in, in <laughs> Nebraska, though. One time I thought I was living in Indiana and let me place a bet. <laughs> That's awesome. Even though Indiana is like four states away. Um, yeah, I would go. You said Hamlin was plus 800? Yeah. I'd either go Chase or Hamlin. That would be. It's hard to go against Chase, though, on a, yeah. on a road course right now, and he just won on it uh, a couple of months ago, and he just ran. He was in that car in the 24 hours uh, of Daytona, like, four different times, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, and the last time he got in the car was with, like, 10 minutes left, and they specifically said it's because he wanted to get laps in on the track, so... That guy knows what's up because he's yeah, a team player. Three weeks. So um, if you want some really bad advice, uh, mortgage your house, put it all on Chase. Don't mortgage your house and put it all on Chase. He'll, he'll do great. Mortgage your house and put it all on the guy going off at 10000 to 1. But, Matt, uh, this is a pretty good breakdown. Kept it under 30 minutes. Go us. Howard will be proud. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this week for The Clash. We'll talk to you in a few days for the actual Daytona 500. Matt, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.